Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. Welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios, part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms, as well as Buzz to 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review our podcast. All live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark. I am Porter Hayes. Alongside me is Adam Hall, and we're also brought to you by Bet Online. It's your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchups reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And Adam, I, I don't know what's more exciting that it's game week or we actually were below 100 degrees today and it wasn't uh, the Devil's Front Forge. Yeah, you know, um, I'm at this moment in time, I'm going to take the cooler temperatures, but <laughs> I mean, I know this weekend it's going to creep back up. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's game week, so that actually just overtakes everything. You kind of overlook how miserable it's been outside. Exactly. You know, had a full slate of Friday night football finally. You know, I don't understand the whole week zero stuff, and they even do it in, in college football as well, week zero. But full Friday night slate this past weekend. Um, I do want to ask you, get, getting into the high school right quick, what happened – because I don't know the team, don't follow that much, but I was very, very surprised to see Southside get get the win over Northside. Southside broke their seven-game losing streak to Northside. Um, that game was in my – Northside's got a young team. Um, they got a sophomore, I believe, a quarterback, or no, mostly their secondary sophomores. Um, but they let the game get away from them. It's just young talent that missed some spots. I know Southside's running back also rushed for like 221 yards on 18 carries. So that was brutal for him. Um, You know, at one point Northside was down, I think two or three touchdowns in the third quarter and then clawed their way back and just couldn't finish the game. So, uh, you know, I hate always saying, you know, the next year or two for some teams, but that's kind of what it looks like for Northside with having such a young team. Yeah, yeah. And Ozark, you know, they – they got to win over Clarksville. Big game this week. We It's our big game, you know, since uh, we're no longer in the same conference with Boonville. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's Boonville hate week for us. But finally getting into it, 12 p.m. kickoff. They moved the kickoff back. I, I don't you – know, get your take on it, you know, here in a second. But it will be a noon kickoff this Saturday against Western Carolina in Little Rock. And what did you think when they announced that they would move it back? You know, I understand it. Um, 
noon, you know, temperatures are starting to rise or have been starting to rise versus three o'clock when you're close to the hottest point of the day. Um, I personally, I mean, don't think it really is going to affect anything um, other than travel plans for some folks. So, you know, I read earlier that it's going to interfere with KJ's nap schedule um, because he's usually taking a nap or or supposed to around that point. But it is what it is. You roll with it. Um, I would kind of for the first game, you know what, we don't have to wait around very long. Let's wake up and get it out of the way. Well, I was thinking, too, you know, it's it's an opponent against Western Carolina, and we were talking last week about cramps and concussions and, and injuries, you know, meaningless. You know, if you can up the kickoff and, and say, look, we, we hope to be, the starters are out by halftime, mm-hmm. you know, that'd be 2 o'clock. I mean, roundabout way, 2, 2.30, you know. So it's going to be hot either way, but I'm looking at it. Just get in there, get your guys some – reps get get not put this thing away at halftime and get them out of there you know get your twos in there get your depth going and it really wouldn't matter i understand about you know the fans and and Mm -hmm. that game in little rock but you've got to look at the grand scheme of the game you know you're playing a a meaningless game three four five o'clock in the afternoon after you you know these games are four hours long you know Mm -hmm. uh, this and you're again outdoors so i i think it was kind of a smart move you know, to really take advantage of that. But, I mean, we all know how it is. When it, when it gets hot, it gets hot. It does. And I'd rather them move the game up like they did versus like we saw a lot of high schools moving games to 8 o'clock um, for when, you know, the sun's about to go down. Because I know that Northside game didn't end till 11 o'clock probably sometime. And I'm sorry, that's past my bedtime. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah. Um, that, that was just a little bit too much. So, you know, especially the first game, let's just go and get it out of the way instead of dragging around all day waiting for it. Um, I like noon better than I like 11 a.m.s, even though it's only an hour difference. You know, and we got to see, you know, the depth chart. We're, we're looking at the official first week depth chart here. And, and taking a look at it, you know, what was there anything that really kind of stood out to you? You know, I, I like seeing – Tesla on there. Of course, we knew Andrew Armstrong, you know, being the number one guy. Isaiah Satania, you know, there, there's really nothing really that stands out to me on this list when you're looking at, you know, either or. But, man, it just – there's a lot of senior leadership. There's a lot of, you know, veteran guys on this team, and that's something you really like to see. Yeah, there's – you know, I was looking through it, and there was a couple of spots where – I guess I was shocked just to see it. I mean, it's always crazy to me. Well, it's not really crazy, but seeing like Luke Cosby and, you know, naming state starting tight end. I mean, uh, you know, he got a lot of praise and a lot of hype in the, in the preseason and camp and whatnot, but you never know how that's going to relate to the first depth chart. Um, so, you know, having him and uh, Sherman, you know, listed as the first two tight ends, I was kind of shocked. Yeah. You know, I've kind of figured, um, you know, Nathan, I know Nathan Bax, so I guess this has gone in and out of some injuries here and there during camp, but I, I like seeing it. I like seeing the young guys mixed in with the older guys. Um, to just, you know, it shows that the talent that they've brought in, you know, I mean, is ready to play in some positions. Yeah, and, you, and then you look at the defensive side of the ball, you know, just this team, you know, I just – I know they're chomping at the bit. Because, I mean, I want to say that there's been a lot of, you know, of course, talk about the offense – Compared to the defense coming into this offseason, I think the defense is wanting to come out and, 
and make a name for themselves and kind of has that not chip on their shoulder, but hey, look, this isn't just KJ and, and Rocket Show. You know, this isn't the, the wide receivers. You know, we, we got a stout defense and, you know, running underneath a new coordinator and a new set. I, I'm really excited to see, one, how much they try to blitz, you know, how mm-hmm. much they really try to show, you know, this week with, with their mixtures and how much they go four front, three front. You know, getting and, – and a lot of thing is watching the rotations, you know, on the line and the linebackers, you know, mm-hmm. how often they rotate. And I think yeah. that heat will come into play too, but I think that's where you're going to build your depth. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I've been excited for Landon Jackson since he stepped on the field for Arkansas when he first got here. I know the injuries have gotten him and whatever else, but um, I think that this is going to be a breakout year for him. Um, I think our defensive line as a whole is going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I, I just look at those guys and I, you know, I see multiple um, NFL draft picks coming out of that defensive line. Well, when your defensive ends, six, seven, two eighty one, and six, four, two eighty one, that that's, that's some big boys yeah. come off the edge. Oh, yeah. you know, and that, that, I, I was looking at that earlier too, and I just that two eighty is just mm-hmm. baffling. But at the same time, when you look at his build, it's yeah. just—I mean—that's a freak show right there. And I know it looks a little different, you know, at being six seven and two eighty mm-hmm. opposed to you know you look at um, uh, Jeff Coat six four two eighty one. You know, th- there's a bit of difference there, but man, it's just—it's um, good to see size. It's good to see SEC size on this mm-hmm. team, and at the two deep. You know, you're you're seeing multiple guys that might be playing out of pocket or, or out of position, but, you know, it's going to take a lot of pressure off the first teams to feel like they have to do everything. It was almost like what we were talking about. We talked to uh, Coach Neighbors about the, the women's basketball team and, you know, people gambling and people trying to make a play because the guy behind them, they didn't think, you know, could, you know, had the talent to do it. And sometimes that could get you tripped up. Now you've oh, got yeah. a guy, you know, on your defense and offense, you're running too deep. That's going to bode well. Yeah, and, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, and then back over to the secondary, I mean, I'm looking at Singletary coming in redshirt freshman transfer from Georgia. I mean, I expect a lot out of him. I'm not trying to put too much into that, but I think he's got a lot of untapped talent that is going to benefit this secondary for a few years. I really like the fact that, uh, you know, Sam Pittman was talking about the ors or theys. You know, he was talking about they could both be ones. They, you mm-hmm. know, he has faith and he trusts these guys. And I think that's going to be good, especially with, you know, Chris Paul. You know, he's coming into this, you know, season hobbling a little bit, you know, getting over mm-hmm. the injury. So having a guy, Jaheim Thomas, come in behind him that he trusts to come in and back poop all up. You know, that's mm-hmm. going to be huge too. You're talking, you know, what I was talking about just a second ago. You've got a guy that's, you know, not 100% coming in this game. He knows he's got somebody behind him that can take his spot. That's going to be huge. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you know, one thing that I think is good for, and I think we're going to see this out of Pooh, is, you know, who he's learned from um, the last few years. So, I think he can be that vocal leader on the defensive side. Um, But also, you know, I think it's going to be different because we don't necessarily have – and I don't know his 40 time, but we don't have Drew Sanders speed at linebacker. Yeah. I don't think, you know, which that's, I mean, his speed was crazy as it was. 
but I, I think it's going to be a different look and a different element that's not necessarily going to be worse by any means. I know we talked about it the other day on, um, you know, maybe who's going to have like more sacks or who's going to, I think our yeah. defensive front is, you know, that's going to be a big improvement to take some of the pressure off the linebackers from having to make those backfield tackles. Well, that that's you know we're talking about that forefront. You know, mm-hmm. you know when your your linebackers and your safeties are the ones getting all the sacks, that's not a good look. You know, it looks good. Oh, we have the most sacks more than anybody, but mm-hmm. you know the fact that you're not having to rely on Drew Sanders going out there and making eighty, ninety, a hundred tackles and and really getting burnt out. You have a lot of depth in, in that line. And again, these first three weeks are going to be crucial to see how much pressure they can get on the quarterback. And I think you know. Not not so much against Western Carolina, but I think next week against Kent State, you know, you're really going to see the dogs getting let loose because mm-hmm. you also got to know that if you are not able to get pressure against a, a Kent State or a BYU, it's going to be hard getting pressure when you you start up playing SEC play. Yeah, and that's one thing I was going through Western Carolina because I don't think anybody will fault me and not knowing you know much about their team. <laughs> yeah, but you know I'm looking through their depth chart or actually I haven't seen it, just their roster in general. Um, and I mean, they've got some size when, on their offensive line, but you know, there's just not a lot, I guess, that stands out on paper, Yeah. which is no knock against those players. It's just, um, you know, one thing I was looking at too, was the heights, um, of their secondary when I was going through their depth chart or their, their roster. And I think they're taught, they have two safeties that are six, two and everybody else on the secondary is five eleven and under. Ooh. And we're looking at having multiple guys that are six four to six seven that are going to be on the field at the yeah. same time and wide out tight ends. So you know, you you look at that, and it could be a it could be a long day for their secondary. Yeah, and that's because especially with you know the receiving core and all the questions around the receiving core, you know, you're what you're getting with the running backs and get you know you want to get everybody in a rhythm. Game time mm-hmm. rhythm, and that's what this is going to be. A lot of this, you know, get your again, but get them, get them. You need them guys out by halftime. Make sure you get them well rested, you know, because you got Kent State up next the very next week. But also, you know, with that receiving core, when they're talking about you got five, six, seven guys, maybe nine guys that can all produce, getting those guys in the slots and moving people around, getting different matchups and. Then you get to see, all right, who's my go-to guy on third down? Who's the one that we could take a shot at in, in a 50-50 ball? You know, because, again, other than Burks, we've not really seen a guy that you know you could throw the ball up to and really get that 50-50 ball. And you talking about extending drives and, you know, you're having those third down woes, you know you have a guy, even just if it's just one of the guys, if it's Armstrong, you know, or Tesla, you know, Anybody that can come up and get you a third down, you have confidence, and KJ can get a confidence. And because again, on third down, what is the first thing that any team facing Arkansas is going to think on third down? It's either KJ or Rocket, depending. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's short distance, now sure, they yeah. can mix it up. They could still throw it to Haas or you know Tesla Armstrong. You know, you never know who they're going to give the ball to. Yeah, I mean that's you know one thing we talked about too is seeing. I mean, we've Arkansas usually had you know tight ends that could catch. But I think now, you know, we with those smaller short yardage, I mean, we could see some bigger packages that one tight end may be blocking, one's going out on a route. 
or you know whatever the case may be. So I, it's going to be some different looks, um, but I think they're going to use the next. I would say two games, obviously, but um, we may see some matchups in this game or lineups with the ones and the twos that maybe it didn't work um, as they thought it would with Western Carolina. So they may mix it up again come week two with Kent State. Yeah, you know maybe maybe this wide receiver works better with KJ and this one does with Criswell. So they, you know, mix that up a little bit, but that's what the next two weeks are for. So, yeah. And again, you know, the movie that game time, I mean, that kind of, I understand, but then again, that could, you know, you're talking about the little tidbit about KJ's nap. I mean, that Mm -hmm. could put a little tweak in how they do these, you know, bringing in Jacoby and do we try to put some of the ones in with him? You know, so I, I like your point there, what you're saying about even trying to get Jacoby in there with some of the ones and and getting him in there and but I I'm, I just I can't get but looking at this depth chart and seeing all the depth at receiver and you're like okay these are good these guys can all catch the ball these all mm-hmm. these guys can all have SEC type talent and speed I can't wait to see Satania break one open I just I can't wait to really see some of these guys just get out in the open and really see that flash because. Again, since, you know, Wright and Jarius Wright and days, you know, and, and Joe Adam days, you know, we've seen Burks be able to go up and get it. I, I can't wait to see where we got three receivers, two receivers, and just have like one of them, uh, you know, the St. Louis Rams, the greatest show on turf. You know, one of them mm-hmm. where you're just dropping back and just throwing the ball. Yeah. I mean, you, you want, obviously, to have that talent. I think Satania – I'm waiting for him to just have that breakout moment, whether it's this weekend in Little Rock, I'd love for it to be in Fayetteville. Yes. Just since he's a hometown kid. Um, but I'm whether it's special teams return or so I like, I'm just wait. I've been waiting for his moment since he got to Arkansas. Yeah. And, and that's one thing we haven't really touched on is, you know, who's going to be that return guy, who are they going to put back there? You know, really get can be that burner, but, Again, with how the ch- rules have changed, you know, you really don't want to put your best guy back there returning because it's all for naught anyway. But it's just – this is the most anticipated team, I think. I mean, there's a lot of hype around it. And I know we always get hyped every year thinking, okay, this team's going to be different. But I really just feel something with just everything we're seeing out of this team from on the field, off the field, the motivation. You know, maybe it's that fresh – you know, those coaches coming in and getting a fresh look at these players. And, and again, there's, com- there's competitiveness. There's competition. There's fights. There's people battling for positions. And you see those oars, you know, mm-hmm. they're still battling. It's like, hey, this guy's on the depth chart right here at this, this left receiver or, or the slot, but there's an oar beside there. So they're still battling for that position. So, again, this is also going to be an audition for those. It's like a preseason game almost. Mm-hmm. Those guys that might be in the last of that, they're trying to be that number one next week. And I think that's what we're seeing with, you know, the likes of the portal um, and then just bringing in this younger talent that is ready to play college football straight out of high school is, you know, I think we've had to settle in some positions in the past, uh, even the recent past. And I think now it's getting to that point that there's no more settling in a lot of these spots. It's either – you're going to be that guy or you're not going to be. Well, and you got two guys, you know, Andrew Armstrong and Isaac Tesla. They've got, you're talking about chips. You know, you, you look where they come from. You know, Texas A&M Commerce, 
and then Hillsdale College. So now they are now, you know, if you're looking from the outside in, if you're not an Arkansas guy and you're looking at this depth chart, which tomorrow we'll have uh, on uh, Brandon Marcello of 247 Sports at 7 o'clock tomorrow, he broke out his top 30 teams and Arkansas didn't make the cut. So it leads into this topic. If you're outside looking in and you're looking at your two go-to guys, one's from Hillsdale College and one's Texas A&M Commerce, and you know if you're a national guy, you're not really deep diving into each team. I mean, that, that's where some of these people always say, well, they don't show Arkansas love. Well, I mean, try covering 119 teams or mm-hmm. how many ever power five teams there are and really deep dive. So the, these national guys are looking at this they're like, man, Two of their starting wide receivers are D2 guys coming up. So, mm-hmm. we've seen how that's kind of been a knock on Arkansas in the past with, with these portal guys. I think that's a little this hesitancy on why some people are not ready to rank Arkansas yet. And we all know until Arkansas proves otherwise, it's a bit of a curse if you get ranked. Yeah, um, I think we've obviously and probably all agree that, you know, the last couple few seasons, I guess 2020 and last year most notably – um, or maybe it was 2021 and 22. I think we got ranked too high too yeah. quickly. Yeah. And that came back to bite us. So, you know, I like playing from the outside, looking in on it, um, make some people question what what we have on the roster. They, You know, there's a lot of uncertainties on the outside and even for, you know, us fans. But um, it, it, these guys, I think, are going to come out with something to prove. Yeah, and, they, and I they see they belong in the SEC. And I see what you're getting at. Like, well, they ranked them too high, but again, I mean, at that moment, they might have looked like the 21st ranked team. But we can't also penalize Arkansas because when they fall down, they're playing LSU, they're playing Alabama, they're playing mm-hmm. Texas, they're playing top five, ten teams, and you know that's what I've always. And I know it would be hard to tell because you'd really, really have to deep dive and do analytics. But, you know, say you're the 21st ranked team and you get beat by Bama. You're automatically falling out of the top 25. And I don't think that's a fair point because, well, just because you got beat by second ranked Alabama or seventh ranked Texas A&M, you're still better than 16 through 20. Hmm. But because you have that loss, they, they, you know, you'll notice it. And I know it's, again – we're talking about your deep diving in all these teams, but I've yeah. always noticed that when it comes to the rankings of Arkansas gets ranked 24th, well, damn it, they got to play first-ranked Texas A&M next week. They get beat by two touchdowns, and they drop out of the rankings. I, I think in a way that's a little bit unfair because they're still a top 25 team. They just, you know, had to go up against the, you know, look, look at the volleyball team. They're ranked 21st. They, they move up in the rankings, and they got to mm-hmm. play the number one team in the country – Wednesday and Thursday, and that was because Wisconsin was ranked number two and the number Mm. one team got beat. So, I mean, again, it's awesome to move up, but now you got to play number one. (laughs) Well, and our our schedule's never going to be in our favor um, in that aspect. But also, it's one of those, until we prove otherwise, that's going to keep happening to Arkansas. Well, and I I wouldn't put Arkansas in the top 25. I mean, just. Oh, no. I mean, but, you know, say we crept up at that number 24, 23 spot, and then, yeah, we had an AM or somebody. I mean, it's going to take us overcoming beating that, you know, top 10 team for them to finally be like, okay, 
Yeah. You know, we got to stop dropping them after a tough loss or whatever, you know. Again. So it, it went, but winning is also what fixes a lot of those things, those issues. Winning and then say like you say, let's go to the LSU, Texas A&M. You know, you, you mm-hmm. say you play LSU close. You lose by four, but then end up beating A&M by 10, seven points. I don't think that should affect your ranking because you played – one of the top teams in the country to three, five mm. points, and then you turn around and beat. I think that should move you up because you're proving that you're a better team than people ahead of you. And that's where that strength of schedule comes in, but also in the fact of you can't play a hard-fought LSU team and then get blown out by Texas A&M, and then it starts that downhill trajectory that we're, we, we've seen in years past. you you got to stay on point. I think that's going to be – the biggest difference we're going to see this year, we're going to see because more depth, you're going to see those games. If they can ride out that four-game gauntlet, split it, or just not get absolutely embarrassed in one of those games, I, I, I'm still sticking with my nine-game my nine prediction. Yeah, I think like with you know my eight and four, your nine and three, those games right immediately after those potential losses are going to be – huge factors into not only rankings, but the overall finals, uh, what's the word, wins-loss record. Yeah. Well, and then it's going to start getting more and more, you know, we're talking about this respect, this respect thing, and I think that's something that's just thrown around. Like, when's Arkansas going to get respect? Well, honestly, let's let's look at it. Let's go back 10 years. I mean, I mean, over the last 10 years, have they shown consistently that they're a program that deserves to be ranked uh, consistently? You know, a team can have a good year here and there, but consistently. And yes, if, if you want to talk about the good, we got to throw in the bad. I mean, of course, with John L and, and, and Chad Morris, but consistently, mm-hmm. this is a program that, I mean, again, just with their schedule and what conference and division they play in, it's hard. Not to say that they're not a top 25 program, but until you can start hanging with these teams and really like Alabama game, when you had the chance to beat them, you should have took advantage of that. You've never beaten them under Saban, so that was like your gift. Mm-hmm. Now, again, you could possibly, but I'm telling you, I'm, I'm one of them. Look, if, if Alabama doesn't win it all this year, then I will start to say, okay, Maybe the dynasty's over, but I'm I've just seen too many. I've seen Clemson battle Alabama too many years, four years in a row. You know, in the college football playoff finals and in, in the semifinals, you always doubt them, and they come back. They might not win, but they're always right back there. So, and but I also think too. I, I was talking to Joe Deloney, um, he one of our believe guys. He was talking mm-hmm. about Bama, and I think a lot of it's the the bandwagon. They want to doubt them, and then it's this narrative of, all right, we're going to jump back on the Bama bandwagon and say, oh, look, we said back in September that they were going to be the best team in the country. But until they say they missed the playoffs this year, I might be ready to say that the dynasty's over. But you can't ever not bet on a Nick Saban Alabama team. And that's why I won't until they show me otherwise. So, you know, I've seen some um, second place in the West. Uh, predictions. I've seen some eight and four predictions for Alabama, and there's just no way in hell that I can believe that that to happen. Um, You know, I've heard the talk of 
uh, Nick Saban doesn't have any one position coach that's the number one coach in that position. It's like the first time in his career at Alabama. And I'm just kind of like, so what? Yeah. I mean, they, they still, still have Nick Saban as a yeah. coach. He still is the one handpicking his assistants. So until he shows me that it's time to, you know, move on from the Alabama dynasty, it, it is what it is for me. Well, and, and I will say this, name any other coach that could go through the roster changes in the in, in the, his tenure and still be on top year after year after year after year. I don't I don't see anyone who can do it. I mean, they've tried. I mean, I'll throw my team in there. Look at Clemson ever since Venables and Elliott left. They've they've been in the talk, but they have not been the same elite team since they lost Venables and, and Tony Elliott. You know, now let's see what they do now that they got the guy from TCU. But they also don't have Deshaun Watson and, and Trevor Lawrence for eight years. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, oh, you know. Yeah. so I mean that helps too. But when you look at your coordinators and stuff, I mean, Saban's had guys come and go and come and go, and they've stayed at the top. I mean, I want to see what Georgia does. Georgia does not have a a quarterback. Are they going to be the new kind of old school Bama? Not really have an elite quarterback, but they have such good defense and skill players, they make them look better. I mean, that's he, you know, Kirby Spark basically has the blueprint in front of him with being um, at Alabama previously to make himself. I'm not going to, I'm never going to put him up on the same level as, you know, Saban, but he has the chance to do at least half of what Saban has done at Alabama at Georgia. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not willing to put anybody up on Saban's level oh, no. until they, you know, you do it when, when you're up there with the likes of Bear Bryant and Saban, you do something like Bill Belichick's done with Tom Brady. You, you build a real dynasty. Like a dynasty nowadays is, oh, well, look what they, they've won two and four years. This is a dynasty. Mm-hmm. Eh, eh. I mean, because elite program, yes. But, you know, Calling somebody a dynasty, I want three to four championships in a, in a ten year period because I'm looking at the the when I say dynasty, it's a, over a decade, like the 2010s and the 2020s. You know, when when you get to that level of a dynasty, it, it's hard to say it if you know. Yes, now now LS or not in LSU, but Georgia say they going back to back and they don't make it this year, but then win it next year. Now we can kind of start saying, okay, this is getting to the point where you could call them a dynasty because they've always been there. So, But we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to carry on the conversation after the break. Here's a word from our sponsors. Attention DOIers and home improvement enthusiasts. Are you searching for the right tools and the supplies to tackle your next project? Look no further than Mentors Hardware Store. With locations in Ozark, Alma, and Clarksville, our vast selection of hardware and building materials is sure to have everything you need. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or building a new deck, most of our knowledgeable staff is always on hand to offer expert advice and guidance. And with our competitive prices and convenient online ordering, Metters Hardware Store is your one-stop shop for all your DIY needs. Business today, and let's build something amazing together. Are you in need of legal representation? Look no further than the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson. As the oldest law firm in the River Valley, we have been serving our clients for over 100 years with locations in Ozark, Fort Smith, and Springfield. Our experienced team of attorneys provide expert guidance and advocacy in a wide range of legal areas. 
including personal injury, family law, criminal defense, and more. Trust in our Harris history and experience to get the results you deserve. Contact the law offices of Robertson Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson today at 479-782-8813. That's 479-782-8813. Are you looking for a place to grab a cold drink and some delicious food? Look no further than Arkansas Brewing Company. Located at 201 South 1st Street in beautiful downtown Ozark, our establishment offers a wide selection of craft beers and tasty eats. But what sets us apart is our welcoming atmosphere and friendly staff. At Arkansas Brewing Company, you'll always feel like part of the family. So visit Destiny and Christopher Brockett and staff today and see for yourself what makes us the go-to spot for locals and visitors alike. Arkansas Brewing Company, come for the drinks and stay for the friends. Searching for premium brewery products that will take your daily routine to the next level? Look no further than Sterling Soap Company. Our handmade soaps, aftershaves, and balms are made with only the finest ingredients that give you the ultimate grooming experience. With a variety of scents to choose from, there's something for everyone. Plus, our products are crafted in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality. So why wait? Visit www.sterlingsoap.com or visit our retail store at 16 West Walnut Street in Paris, Arkansas. Shop our collection and discover the difference for yourself. Upgrade your grooming routine with Sterling Soap Company. Hey, I want to welcome you back to the Hog Talk podcast. And before the break, you were talking about, you know, dynasties and, and what we consider a dynasty. And we didn't get, you know, your take. We... I kind of cut you off on accident there. Mm-hmm. Go to the the um, commercial break, but I mean, what do you consider like when you think of? I mean, we can go pro college. I mean, what what is your take on what you break down as a dynasty? Uh, I think that term's thrown around a little bit too much. Um, I think of dynasties. You know, it's hard not to just revert to like basketball dynasties or NFL dynasties with uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Um, I do look at. Um, you know, winning. I, I I get your ten year span. I think you need to be maybe more in the four national, three to four national titles in that ten year span. But it's so hard in a decade to actually be able to do that. Which yeah. you know is why the way it is what it is. It's a dynasty. Um, I, I think that Georgia has the chance, especially with being able to win back to back that, you know, if they put another one together in the next couple few years, yeah, I mean, there is, Kirby Smart is definitely going to be up there with, you know, Georgia being talked about as a another SEC dynasty, national dynasty, whatever you want to call it. But I'm, I'm just not ready to um, back off that, you know, Nick Saban's on the, on the down and out. Yeah, and when I look at a dynasty, it's, you know, that's the highest of the high when I wrote a program. So you got to separate yourself. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. there's been plenty of teams that's won it two every other year. You know, two they got two national championships in a span of four. Per, you know, like like Clemson and Ohio State's done it before. And but when you're looking at dynasty, I want to look see consistency. And I wouldn't even put the Clemson run as a dynasty because they got two mm-hmm. out of that long of a run. Like like, and I go back to 2015. You know, 2015 to 2020, you you were in four championship games and you won two of them now if you'd have won a third one then or if you wouldn't in that semifinal just got manhandled by bama i'm not ready to call it a dynasty i think again you got to separate yourself and what have you done differently 
and put yourself on, I mean, you want to say it, Alabama's level. If, mm-hmm. if, if Clemson would have won all three in that same span of time, then I would have been like, okay, this was the dynasty after Bama. But, you know, to be a dynasty, you got to be on top of the, of the, of the rock on top of that hill a little bit longer and instead of getting knocked down every other year. Yeah. I mean, I was, I mean, on the, you know, not ACC fan, not Clemson fan, but I was on that verge of is Clemson the next. And then they just, you know, faltered and fell and they didn't even fall that far. It's just, they weren't at that same level, but they were right there on the, on the cusp. I'll say that they were at an elite level, yes. but they just were not. They, you know, it, it just fell too far off from where they were at. Now, I think that also takes, you know, you take a look at the coaching changes, the personnel changes that, you know, Nick Saban reloads, whether it's coaches or players. Um, and you haven't seen that um, with Dabo after, you know, some of the coordinators and play and position coaches that he's lost and players too. So, you know, it's kind of like on in Kirby's court on, you know, when you lose guys, are you reloading mm-hmm. or are you going to struggle to find um, coaches or players to fill the void? And if you want to, you know, we're talking about like this dynasty talk and, and they're above Clemson in, in the essence of where I'm going with this because they've won back to back. But, but to me, Georgia's the next new Clemson because mm-hmm. you look at the East, look at the schedule they've played. They've played an ACC S schedule, just like Clemson was able to run through, get lucky with losing some games and still make it to and, and win the college football playoff championship. You know, now this is a pivotal year when we're ready to talk about is Georgia a dynasty because of what they do. They make they make it to the college football playoff, lose it on a whim, and then the next year make it and win it then I'll be ready to say that they're at that level, you know, of being so-called dynasty. And something to look at next season, too, when we're in this talk is with no more divisions. Yes. And next year we're going to see Alabama and Georgia in the regular season. Mm -hmm. That right there, I mean, luckily for them, the, you know, college football playoffs gone to 12 teams. Um, So we're going to see, you know, more than two SEC teams in that. I think that's Um, fair, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, if that wasn't the case, I mean, that would – that game would tremendously hurt the loser if there weren't more teams in the CFP. Oh, yeah, and why do you think, in a sense, they've kind of done that? Why do you mm-hmm. think – and this is – we're going to break it down, money. Because, you know, Alabama has, is in the West, so they've had to play a, a lot of – you know, I mean, when Ole Miss was at their peak, Mississippi State when they were at their peak. You, you look at the East – not too many teams were pumping up. Now we're starting to see a surge. You know, when Kentucky had their run with Benny Snell, you know, Florida is, was starting to bounce back. Now they're kind of back down again. But you look at Tennessee and the insurgents of Tennessee. South Carolina is a, a, a salty program. You know, we're going to start seeing more balance to where you're going to see a lot more better matchups because, one, they're going to the 12-team playoff. And I'm telling you, we could see uh, – minimum four teams from the SEC when they go to this new format. Yeah, it's going to be one of, you know, before it was fighting for or arguing for the reason to have two SEC teams in the final four. Now I think it's going to be, okay, how can we not have potentially five of the (laughs) 12 teams in this playoff? But And that's just, I mean, when you come down to the strength of schedule and the quality of teams, you know, that's just how it is. But kind of like we've touched on too, 
you know, an eight and four season, like say for Arkansas or nine and three, that could still put them, you know, in fourth or fifth mm-hmm. in this division. So it's, it's going to be, I, I'm just, I guess I'm waiting for whenever it finally rolls out the college football rankings and whatnot to start seeing where everything fell like it used to at the BCS days yeah, with all the movement and whatnot. Well, and with the, you know, the new conference structures and that's ever changing. I mean, we could see, I mean, this might end up being a thing where there's three super conferences and the top four from each conference battle it out in a, in a I mean, because if you think about the Pac-12 is gone, mm-hmm. you know, it's Big Ten. It's it, it's pretty much going to be, I mean, we'll, we'll see what the Big 12 does, but it's pretty much going to be Big Ten, ACC, and the SEC. So the Big 12 better start stacking their teams up or they're going to be like the power five that might get in one of their teams because – it could be three or four teams from Pac-12 or ACC and Big Ten, and then we're going to let the Big 12 team trickle in. Yeah. Um, you know, the Pac-12, uh, who knows what's going to happen <laughs> with them. Um, I kind of thought when everything shifted that there was only four teams left that they would more or less absorb the Mountain West just to keep the Pac-12 namesake. Yeah or the pack namesake and whatever number they want to throw behind it. Cause you know, you're going to keep that name versus mountain West. But, um, you know, I just, I find it funny, you know, these schools that were wanting these new media deals, um, when all that talk was going up and they didn't want to accept their first initial offers. And then ESPN was like, all right, we're out. And now look at it. It's, you know, you've now almost dissolved your entire conference. I, I did have to, I had to laugh when, uh, they announced the ACC was going to be on, I think, CW channel or something like that. You know, I, I was I like, joked about that I too, did and too. Somebody kind of took a shot at me for it. I like, oh, well, that, and I'm just, no. I think of the CW and I think of teenage dramas. I, I think of Wayne's Brothers, Steve Harvey's show, oh, Dawson's yeah. Creek, you know. <laughs> I was like, one, you know, I said something like, you know, uh, Clemson Duke's going to be running on after Dawson's Creek. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, that's what you think. And, I mean, I see where they're going, trying to, but, you know, again, um, what is it? The Big Ten's going to Peacock, and you, mm-hmm. you have to get that streaming service. I think they're going to start going to Peacock on, on just streaming only. So, you know, I'm waiting to see how some of that affects, because I'm telling you, they start screwing around with that stuff and not having a solidified – you're not like ESPN where you can stream and watch on a TV. Big Ten needs to be careful when they go down this just – streaming option because you know that could hurt you in the grand scheme of look at the pac 12 and, and you can't say that that the time frame and you know pac 12 after dark and and some of these games going on at 11 o'clock at night didn't have an effect on just the popularity other than like a say like usc and when you know stanford had luck you know mm-hmm. there was some teams you know oregon they had their days but you didn't have a Hey, I want to stay up and watch the the Stanford Washington game at eleven o'clock at night. You didn't want to do that because it. But they tried going to. I remember what was a couple years ago. They tried to do like a nine a.m. ten a.m. kickoff or something yeah. because they were just trying. And you've seen the, the the when your tire blows out, just the the shreds starting to come off. And I think when they started getting away from their mo, you've seen that they were trying to grab at straws to try to do something different to get more viewers. But it was just. You can't ask these kids to get up at six o'clock in the morning and and play at eight o'clock, nine o'clock game just to be on TV. I mean, it's just it, to me, it just it's not 
safe enough because these guys, you know, hey, let's get up 6 o'clock in the morning and let's go jump on this field at 8 and knock heads around. Yeah, you know, with the streaming services, I think it's a slippery slope, um, you know, for games to go only that route. I mean, I've read some of the reports with the Pac-12 that they were also uh, propositioned by um, Apple TV for the show their games, you know, Apple TV being a streaming only service um, and they turned it down. But like with the Peacock, um, I think that the Notre Dame game this weekend, um, you know, it was on Peacock at game time, but I have some buddies that have YouTube TV and it wasn't showing that Notre Dame game till a few hours later. Oh, wow. So you're looking at you're now getting Peacock that held the rights because of NBC mm-hmm. to have that game on live, and then everybody else could watch it later. And see stuff like that would bug me if I was if I had YouTube TV or, or if I was a fan of Notre Dame and didn't have Peacock. You know, you, you're looking at okay, well then now I've got to figure out another way to watch it, and you're the number of streaming services subscriptions that most people have is just becoming ridiculous, it, but. It, if my father-in-law is watching, I apologize because I'm about to razz him for a second. Um, it was like watching football with him. First <laughs> time we ever watched a football game together. He's a big Michigan State fan, and I went over there and watched the game. Well, he would pause it, go outside, have a drink, and have a smoke, and 10, 15 minutes later, come back in and watch the game. No problem. I was like, okay, okay. But it was like that three or four times during the, the, the broadcast of this game – and it just drove me crazy because it was like, you know, we're, we're six o'clock at night. We're still in the third quarter. It was a noon kickoff, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. But it, I, I got to give him a little crap there for a second. But no, I mean, that's what it makes me think. I mean, I'm telling you, that would absolutely, fans would leave. I, I've seen, listen, when Dish Network cut off Channel 5 two weeks before CBS and, mm-hmm. and you know, college football. I worked for the competitor direct TV and we had an influx of, I mean, we, we were two weeks out on a service call. There was so many people jumping ship coming to direct TV because it's football season, you know, and mm-hmm. I know now they're, they're starting to go through that with um, KNWA and some of the NBC stations now with, you know, but that's one thing I want to get into is knowing that knowing the business that I've worked in the satellite business for eight years. That's the thing that with the streaming stuff it's going to be interesting. We've already seen it with YouTube TV. They already mm-hmm. upped their price $30 when they acquired the NFL Sunday ticket. You know, they were at $39, $40. Now they're like $79. And you still have to pay extra for the NFL Sunday ticket. What, what's, all, what's Peacock going to be? I mean, what's going to happen when all these channels are $20, $25 a piece? Plus, if you have Hulu or YouTube TV, now you're pushing $150, $160. Just to watch your teams for a season. I mean, I think we're starting to see a little bit of it. It's not now, you know, and I don't know if it ever will because streaming is just taking over. But I think that's what's going to be the thing that keeps the satellite business afloat because, you know, not everybody's going to want to buy six, seven different things just to watch TV. You're the the whole thought or idea of cutting the cord is no longer a thing in my eyes. Um, just because you have now so many different streaming services. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm guilty of it. I mean, I've got Hulu, Peacock, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, which granted, I get that in a package. I have DirecTV, um, Netflix, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just kind of like, 
I, I find reasons to keep them. You know, yep. I look at it like, okay, I watch this on this. I watch this on this. Uh, you know, I still watch wrestling. So I get all my WWE pay-per-views on Peacock. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I justify it, but you know, it's getting to the point that we're going to get back to, well, just having cable or satellites then going to be the cheaper option that they were trying to get us away from for so long. My only gripe lately with direct TV has been, you know, Fox yeah. has been off. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 For a little while now, but I just figure, you know, right before NFL kicks off, officially out of preseason that flip will be switched and that'll be solidified. And that's a lot of it is greed because, and, and the, I know, and this has nothing to do with YouTube or direct TV or dish. It's the people above them that hold these channels hostage and they know, all right, let's cut them off a month before football season. We know they're going to pay us. Mm-hmm. So they demand more money from the provider. The provider gives them more money. And then the customer is the one that in the end sucks you know, because now their bill goes up $10, $15, you know, and, and that's all it is. You know, technology has changed. You know, I know that, you know, the, the 4K and stuff like that's changed, but to sit there and hold hostage when you're making billions and billions of dollars, it's almost like, man, just let us have our TV. You know, let, let the customers, let people have whatever they want, you know, and, you know, again, everybody getting these, well, I want my $5.99. Instead of coming together and, and making money off the streaming service, hey, let's let's all of, you know, Discovery Plus, Disney Plus, you know, A&E Plus. Everybody wants their $5.99, and that's what's going to turn people away. Yeah, and you'll start seeing, I mean, we already saw it with, like, HBO and uh, Cinemax yeah, and Max, all of them yep. joining forces, and now you've got Max that's got the Discovery Plus that's got – Warner Brothers, it's got all of that. So yeah. I mean, and now Paramount's still, done it too because Paramount uh, has MTV and yeah. is it Paramount? Yeah, Paramount's owned yeah. by or owns That's MTV right. and VH1 and um, I think CBS has all their is shows that they own with the Paramount Network yeah. and yeah. So you know, it's 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 a weird time for all of this. You know, my biggest thing is when I've changed a password to one of them. <laughs> And I don't remember it or forgot that I did. And I have to forget for do a forgot password and get a new link. Uh, I mean, it's just ongoing and gets annoying, but you know, kind of going back to like you were talking about when you are having to stop games, pause games. So, you know, your uh, father-in-law could go out and smoke, drink, whatever, you know, I look at it like I'm not going to pause a game. I'm also not going to record a game to watch it later because we live in such a instant gratification world that there's no way that I could record a game and just not find out anything about it to watch it later so yeah. that I don't have it spoiled for or not me. cheat yourself. You'd be like, okay, yeah. okay, what's the score? So oh. if I'm going, <laughs> if I'm going somewhere, if I've got something going on, you know, I'm finding a way, whether it's having it on in the background on my phone or whatever it's like i'm gonna have the game or i'm gonna have the radio uh broadcast on somewhere because it's just like you know what i can deal with not getting to watch it be there or watch it on tv directly so i'll just deal with watching it through my phone or listening to it on the radio so back back to you know saturday's game you know what what is your if you could give i mean like say score prediction and does rocket go over 100 yards rushing i mean something along the lines of that uh, I mean, what what do you think how this game goes? Um, and and we'll go halftime score. We know, I mean, again, unless something just craziness happens, we know Arkansas's 
going to pretty much win this game handily. But what are you look? What are you expecting out of this game as the result? Uh, I'm looking at say Rocket to finish around the 75 yard mark. That being him not playing in the second half. So I'm looking at him unless he just happens to break off an 80 yard run. Well, you know, I look at, you know, he's going to have a couple bursts, but um, I I don't see him playing much, if at all, in the second half. So I'm going to stay right around that 75-yard mark for him. Halftime score, I would probably think around a 35-7. to Yeah. Um, I would like to go for more just to have that separation so you don't feel like you have to play guys in the third quarter or much of the third quarter. Um, But I think 35-7 to is reasonable. I'm going to go 45-10, 45-17, something like that, um, final score. Uh, yeah, I, I'm actually going to say, you know, with with Rocket, he I think he's going to have a big run. I just So I'm going to push the over, maybe 110, 120, just adding that extra big run in. And I'm really ex- excited to see because we've always – our big question coming in the season is – that drop-off, you know, between KJ and Malik. I'm really ready to see, and I hope that that's that far ahead that Jacoby gets to come in and get some of their ones, you know, some some of their starters and get some rhythm going to see how he does against a a legit one, you know, one defense. And, again, next week against Kent State because there's going to be times where they're going to use him in some sets during a game and – especially with his arm strength, good Lord. I mean, 60 yards into the win. I mean, how can – I mean, if you need, like, just a a third and long or just, you know, you want to come in and, and just say K.J. needs a break. He's he's carried the ball five times on, on a drive and throw the ball and say Arkansas gets a quick turnover. It would be nice to put him right in just to give K.J. – especially in games like this. Say K.J. just has a drive where he carries the ball three, four times – then, you know, say they get a, a, a quick touchdown and, you know, he's a little – not tired-tired, but he's starting to get a little gassed. Be able to bring Jacoby in and kind of give him a little bit of break. Maybe if it's in the later of the second quarter, you know. But I think that would be interesting too. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him um, earlier by choice than a forced uh, yes. decision, whether it be injury or whatever, you know, knock on wood. But, you know, with Jacoby, I kind of look at – um, I had questions coming in or when he transferred in, but just from what I've heard and seen practice coaches, everything, he seems to have um, a little bit more of a head on his shoulders and it's not knocking Malik by any means. It's just, he seems to understand his role, his position, his arm strength is crazy. He seems to be accurate. And I think that was one of Malik's biggest downsides is, he was in his head too much. Mm-hmm. Um, his accuracy was off. Uh, it, it just it showed quickly. He just immediately, he catches the ball and he's looking to run, which tells me you don't trust yourself. Yeah. Well, and you had the pressure of, I've got to immediately come in and do well. If I come mm-hmm. in and struggle, if I come in and don't have a good half or a good drive, I mean, in your head, you're talking about getting in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Jacoby. I mean, he got to 
sit behind one of the best quarterbacks in, in, in the country and really learn. And, and, of course, having Mac Brown there, you know, having a coach to sit there and help you out. And you could see the difference. And this is, you know, I'm not talking anything bad about, you know, the coaching staff or, you know, Malik himself, but you could tell the difference between what he had out there at North Carolina, even if he didn't get to play much, just his composure. And plus he's coming back to his home state. You know, he mm. wants to ball out in front of his home fans and really get a chance. And that, I mean, Moralton is not too far away from Little Rock. I mean, that's going to be really cool for him to come in, be able to come in Saturday and play in front of his home crowd because it's easier to get the Little Rock from Moralton than it is Fayetteville. So, I mean, just yeah. those little intangibles, and I, I love an underdog story, and I love—I I really want Armstrong and, and Tesla to break out this year because I love the fact that when people doubt you because you come from a smaller school and then you blow up. I mean, that's what's—that's what I love about college sports. That's what I love about people who have that dog in them. They want to prove people wrong. Oh yeah, I'm ready for it. You know, it's—it's it's one of those things that it's—it's it's time for the guys to just put everything that they've been working on that we've been talking about out there for us to see. So it's like, you know what, there's no more questions. There's no more, whatever that's it's here. We are, this is what we're going to do. That's right. Well, uh, unless you got anything else, we'll, we'll wrap it up for tonight's show. Uh, we do have a, a big show tomorrow night. We're going to have Brandon Marcello of two, four, seven sports, come on and talk about the Razorbacks off season and, and break down, you know, his reasonings why, you know, I think we might've touched on a little bit about, you know, them not breaking in his top 30, but tomorrow night at seven, we'll be live with that. Again, we're brought to you by bet online, part of the believe pot podcast network and we will catch you tomorrow night have a good night thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.